Hi there, and welcome to the Labourlist podcast. After five long years, it's almost here. In just a few hours now, polls will be opening in the 2015 general election. One of the closest general elections of my lifetime, and probably most people listening to this, their lifetime too. But we still don't know what the result's going to be. We're going to try and read the runes today on what we think might happen on election day and afterwards. Joining me in our election hub as we begin to get ready for that election day are Connor Pope, Emma Bennell and Maya Goodfellow. They'll be discussing what might be in store. So, Maya, are you looking forward to election day? Yeah. That was an interesting <laughs> silence. Um, well, I mean, really, tomorrow will be pretty quiet, I imagine, unless we're out on the doorstep. Um, it'll be tomorrow night that will be long and interesting, I imagine. Um, but yes, I am looking forward to it in the sense that it will be good to see the lie of the land on Friday morning, finally, after so much uh, discussion about polls, or finding an idea of at least numbers in some, some way or another. Emma, you've been keeping an eye on the polls for us today. I have, We've yeah. still got a few left, but how is it looking? Is it possible to describe them in anything other than tight or too close to call, or is there a bit of a pattern developing? No, it, not so far, although we're still waiting for two of the phone polls to come in, and they have been, so far, um, as things have been developing, they have had bigger Tory leads. Um, so it, it's very, very difficult. Say, if you look at the rooms, they say one thing. If you look at the chicken bones, they say something else. Uh, what most of them are saying is, we just don't know. It does look slightly like the Tories might have a narrow lead in the polls. The question is, of course, how accurate are the polls? Are they underestimating the Tories? Is there a shy Tory factor, as Neil Kinnock believes? Is there an incumbency factor that's being missed? Will Labour's ground game make a big difference? As I certainly hope it will, but it feels like everything is being boiled down to how much of an optimist or a pessimist are you? Connor, optimist or pessimist? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I suppose it depends what measure um, you are using for realism. Um, at the moment, I think we're probably looking at Labour finishing slightly behind in both the number of votes. And since I could be proved completely wrong, we, this is very much an election where, because it is so tight, it really could go either way. A swing, a very small swing of just 1% or so could actually knock down a lot of marginals in one way or another. So to talk now about predictions actually is quite difficult. But, you know, that's my idea. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fascinating thing in, in that, we will know the result, but not the winner. We'll know what the House of Commons looks like, but not what the government looks like. And I imagine that will carry on for quite a period. I imagine over the weekend, David Cameron will carry on as a Prime Minister, maybe for a, a week, maybe even a month, and Ed Miliband will come in later on. So it is very much now about the post-election strategy rather than the election strategy, I think. Absolutely. Uh, we'll come on to that in a moment, but I wanted to look at seats that we'll be keeping our eye on election day. Everyone's got some. Certainly Finchley and Golders Green is, is not my local seat, but it's the geographically one of the closest seats to where I live, as is Enfield Southgate, the place where Stephen Twigg famously beat Michael Portillo in 1997, so I'll be keeping an eye on both of those. Certainly if Labour wins Finchley and Golders Green, that might be indicative of the very least a strong result in London. If Labour wins Enfield Southgate... 
That'll be a remarkable result in London and perhaps a good night. Other seats, Nuneaton, I think Warwick and Leamington? Am I, am I, Warwickshire and Leamington. Warwickshire. That one comes in, I think, at 11am on Friday, and that is a fairly key marginal. Mm-hmm. Anyone else got any seats they're particularly going to be looking at? Um, Sheffield Hallam is one that I think <laughs> everyone is going to be looking at. I think, for, which for a seat which isn't on Labour's 106 target seats will certainly be one where there will be a hush where we're all watching it when the result comes in, I think. Any others? Uh, for me, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on Birmingham Old Southern, which is somewhere I've spent quite a bit of time on the doorstep where we've got an excellent candidate. We're obviously against. Simon Hughes, and out of the 30 odd years that he's been the MP, this is the closest it's ever going to be mm. to uh, getting him out. Other than that, uh, places that um, have a bit of a homely tendency towards in East Lancashire that were lost last time Rosendale and Darwin, Pendle, Burnley. Rosendale and Darwin are the most difficult game. The other two, I think, most people are expecting us to get. Mm. And other ones up in the northwest that I've visited recently, Crewe and Nantwich, Weaver Vale and Warrington South, I think are all potential games of uh, different proportions and which ones of those that we take should give us a clearer idea of how we're doing. Emma. For me, I've been um, campaigning a lot in Thurrock, um, where it's really on the knife edge between Labour and UKIP, even though it's currently a Tory health seat. Mm. It feels like the fight is between Labour and Nuket. That's where the that's where the energy is. Um, South Thanet, I think we'll all be watching that very closely. Um, if Farage doesn't manage to take the seat, that will have huge, huge ramifications for the future of UKIP. Um, other seats that I'll be watching with interest: Calder Valley, where we have a fantastic candidate up against um, an MP, former MP, well, you know, candidate, or whatever they're called right now. <laughs> Uh, Schrodinger's person, <laughs> um, who yesterday retweeted the rather nasty Richard Littlejohn um, piece about um, comparing Ed Miliband to Jimmy Savile. Well, certainly comparing trusting the Labour Party yeah. with getting Jimmy Savile to and babysit your kids. Yeah. On the point of Nuneaton you were making earlier, that's going to be an early declaration. Yeah. Uh, I think that that will shape a lot of the early narrative. Uh, but at this point, I would like to make a point that if we don't gain Nuneaton, there is a period after that where actually there'll be a long time before we get any proper marginals, and I think not long after that we'll get quite a few Scottish seats coming in, mm. where we will start to see how badly things are going for Scottish Labour, and it, in truth it could be quite badly indeed, and I would just kind of warn against people not losing their heads too early there, because I think there might be a few hours where things aren't looking great for us. Yeah, it does, run, it does run the risk. I mean, there's obviously the exit poll, and a lot of thought is going to be given by all parties to how they react to that, how they react to early decisions. Um, obviously, everyone will be keeping their eye on the key seats in Sunderland, which I'm sure when they declare early will give us all a huge shock. Um, but actually, yeah, I mean, there are, there are important seats being declared pretty much from just after midnight all the way through till nearly lunchtime on Friday. Don't discount recounts. I think if you're in a marginal seat and you've only lost by a few hundred votes this time, you are always going to go for a recount. But if your regional officer or national officer are calling you up and saying, you do everything you can to ensure that the result is accurate there, that's what's going to happen. Connie, you mentioned Scotland. You've been in Scotland recently. Mm-hmm. Um, your first sort of face-to-face encounter with 
Scottish nationalism. How was it, and how do you think we'll do in Scotland? <clears throat> um, on the point of Scottish nationalism, yes, uh, there is certainly um, there, is, there is a level of intimidation there. I spoke to organisers who said that they've never before witnessed election campaigns where so many Labour supporters were uh, unwilling to put Labour posters in their window in garden states that have been put up were quite quickly um, vandalised or simply gone vanished in the night. Um, the morale generally of activists is surprisingly high. I think they know exactly what they're up against. They know how difficult Thursday night is going to be. But I think there is a mentality of we have our backs up against the wall and it's us against the world. And actually, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down making the arguments we want to make. So there is um, an element of um, not optimism, but uh, kind of solidarity and defeat there, perhaps. Um, I think things are going to be really, really bad there. We are looking at single figures in terms of uh, the numbers of MPs Scottish Labour will be sending back to Westminster uh, during the next parliament. That's going to be a tough night for Labour in Scotland, but as we think about what might happen on election day, obviously conversation begins to move to what happens after that. It's a numbers game, really, isn't it, Emma? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not... It's not over until it's over, and even then it's not over. Um, it's the problem that we've got at the moment. And there are... The point is, if you cannot pass a Queen's speech, you cannot govern. If you can pass a Queen's speech, however messily, uh, then you can govern. So you'll get a lot of um, post-match analysis that will depend very much on what the margin of difference is between Labour and Conservatives. Either way, you know, if Labour is the largest party... I think if Labour is the largest party... I'd be probably surpri- game over. I'd be surprised to see David Cameron try and hang on if Labour's the largest I party. I think that's probably true. But if we are slightly short of the Tories, but have made significant gains, and if a lot of the seats that we've lost are to the SNP, who have sworn to vote against any Conservative Queen's speech, um, which is not the same thing as saying they will vote for a Labour one, um, then we get into very, very difficult territory. And I think it will make a big difference as to how big the difference then is between Labour and the Conservatives in terms of seats. Um, And I think it would be very hard um, to make legitimacy arguments if the difference is 2025 seats. But it's actually you know, much more easy if you're talking in single-figure digits. Just feel like the Labour Party, I mean, I think throughout Ed Miliband's leadership there's been a constant striving to maintain unity. Some might say at times unity over clarity, although I do feel some of that been a bit more clarity over the course of this election campaign, which has been one of its, its strengths. I do feel like that unity will hold mm. should Labour have a, have a, uh, a result that is... Well, short of a majority, but still gives Labour the, the possibility of governing. Does does everyone else feel like that's? I mean, I certainly don't see anybody, any Labour MPs breaking cover to say otherwise, um, unless we are talking about the Tories being a huge number of seats ahead, which I think we mean twenty twenty five. The thing about the election campaign for me is that it's you know people are spending a great deal of time. Uh, MPs away from Westminster on the doorstep with activists. 
Yeah. And actually, that's when they get to really gauge the temperature of the party. And the party's fired up. I mean, you know, I, I've been going out in marginals around the country. And everywhere I go, you know, however high or low on the, the target list they are, there's a real sense that we could do this, we want to do this, we want to get this seat, there's a real focus. And I don't think any of those activists would forgive the self-indulgence of an MP who tried to not get the Tories out. I mean, my, my firm view on this has been that if Labour has an opportunity to have a majority in the Commons, form a, form a government, then it has to take that opportunity. It may well be that it's forced on Labour constitutionally because if David Cameron pushes it to a vote and he doesn't have the numbers and it falls, constitutional convention, which you're going to be, you're going to be hearing a lot of, not that we have a proper constitution, not that constitutional convention counts for much a lot of the time, but constitutional convention would dictate that the next most able person to form a government will be asked to try and form one. And that's almost certainly Ed Miliband's. Colin, what do you think? Um, obviously, everyone expects Labour to try and form a government if they're able to do so. Everyone expects every single Labour MP to vote against a Conservative Queen's speech. Um, I fully expect all of those things to happen. Um, if it so happens that you know Cameron stays in, there is a Queen's speech that he puts forward, it gets blocked. Uh, the Labour Party are able to bring down a Conservative government uh, and would then have the opportunity to present themselves as a viable alternative. I do think that there will be different, the, the arguments around legitimacy are different to the ones around purely numbers, uh, and those are arguments that are going to have to be made rather than simply just dismissing them as being um, unimportant. What could happen then is if it doesn't look like there is any sort of kind of stable government. Perhaps the Conservatives and Labour would both see it in their interest to vote for another election in six months, um, which would take two-thirds of the House of Commons, I understand, to call one immediately. Obviously, you need both the support of the Labour and Tory parties to get that going. And I could actually see a potential outcome where that happens. You'd be asking a lot, I think, though, of... Um not you personally. No one's suggesting that you were going to make it. <laughs> but it, it would certainly be asking a lot of Labour MPs and Tory MPs elected by narrow margins, especially those coming into the Commons for the first time to vote for a dissolution of Parliament that might mean a difficult political climate. But I think given, given the difficulty of legitimacy with a Labour government and also then of a Tory one as well that clearly hasn't been able mm. to govern, mm. I think that it might have to happen. Well, I mean, there's, there's an argument that says put through your most popular policies and then call an election. Um, and if you look at what Ed Miliband is presenting, it's his 10 potential first bills. Yeah. I think a Labour Prime Minister, albeit one that may not have the most, the be the largest party, may have quite difficult time in government, but who is able to present his most popular policies, policies that will command the broad support across the House, governing that way the year, would probably be the best opportunity to return to the country, both for those MPs and for that Prime Minister. And it also means we get to do things like abolish special tax, which, which um, is what this is really all about. I mean, what the, the, the tax, but, you know, 
we don't do this because we want our team to win. This isn't a football match. This yeah. is important. I mean, not that God, I'm going to get killed by both of you. <laughs> football is very important. But yeah, we're talking about people's lives, and if, if we can get a Labour government, we get to make them better, and, and ultimately, that's why we do it. And the historic mission of the Labour Party, whatever the result, it will be to, to keep on trying to fight for those people. Absolutely. Thank you very much for listening. Please do get back on with fulfilling your part in the democratic process. We'll be all the way through the night and the days that follow, tracking everything that happens at Labourless. And we'll be back with another Labourless podcast in the next few days. Thank you very much. <laughs>